you for listening to the Healthy Project Podcast with your host, Corey Dion Lewis, primary care health coach and health education specialist. You will learn from health professionals from all over the world on how to plan and take action to improve your health and live with purpose on purpose. Like to work one-on-one with Corey to achieve your goals? Go to healthcoachlou.com or email Corey at Corey at healthcoachlou.com. Hello, everybody, and thank you for listening to the Healthy Project Podcast. I got a great guest in the building today. Looking forward to hearing his story because it is it is an interesting motivational story. We have Di Manuel. Di, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you, Corey. I'm like stoked. Like really, I am. I'm like super <laughs> excited. This is gonna be fun, but also I, you know, we we had that little conversation before we. So yeah. you start recording this. And I, I always love the pre-conversation, right? Like the pre-conversation is good, man. Par- well, it's, it is pretty cool. It's almost like, I, I imagine you could almost have a full series of just B-rolls of all the pre-conversations, <laughs> right? But I just love what you do. I love what you do and, and how you show up for people, you know, and uh, that's really inspiring. It's what attracted me when I, I saw your, your podcast and saw your listing. I was just like, man, what a great show. What well, a great host. I, I got to get on this thing. So I'm just, I'm stoked to be here. Thank you. Well, Thank I you. appreciate it. And, and I, when I, and we're, we'll get into it, but I read your story and I went onto your website and read some of your articles and everything. And it, I'm, I'm just, I want to get into it. So, you know, first, you know, let's, <laughs> you know, tell us, you know, a little bit about yourself, you know, how you got to this point right now. We'll give you the short version first. Cause then we can use that sort of a jumping off platform for whatever Absolutely. we want to go with it. Right. So, uh, I'm 44 years now, 44 years young. I like to maintain, uh, but sometimes I feel old, but, but we'll just go 44. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I've got two beautiful daughters. They're teenagers now, uh, soon to be 16 and 18 Chardonnay and Brie, wow. uh, wine and cheese. Yes. Uh, for those that caught that Chardonnay and Brie, uh, and I've been dating my wife for 21 years. Christy, um, also my best friend, uh, life partner, and and in some cases also my business partner and some of my businesses. And really, I, as I always tell people, I'm like, yeah, you know, if you look at me, like, I've got the head. I'm the head, but she's the neck down, and it controls everything. So, <laughs> you know, that's just sort of where it's at. I'm a guy that's been through a lot of different things in his life. You know, lots of tribulations trials and tribulations, if we want to go with more of a cliche. But uh, you know, for all of us that go through challenges, when we're in it it always feels like things couldn't get any worse, right? Like we do. That's sort of how we all feel that way when we find ourselves faced with real life-changing challenges. You know, it's like coming to the fork in the road. It's like, man, I can go left, I can go right. Which way do I go? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. We're afraid of making a decision because what if we make the wrong decision? We've all been in those situations. So right from the time I was morbidly obese as a teenager to later on in life, struggling with alcohol and drug abuse, and then moving on into getting diagnosed with a chronic autoimmune disease, and then saying, oh my goodness, is this all I've got in life? Is this what I'm meant to be doing for the rest of my life when I was in a career of 17 years? And I quit that, you know, without a plan B, (laughs) and said, enough's enough. And then my father passed from pancreatic cancer, which was just a whole nother ordeal in itself, because just, just, really brought my own mortality into, into focus, you know, and, and it was the first time I'd lost someone of, of that close, you know, uh, in my life. So it was just one of those real learning experiences. And then, you know, uh, pulled our kids out of school and my wife and I decided we want to be full-time family and travel the world. So we 
figured out how to do that. Lived in Bali for a couple of years. And then, you know, right before COVID happened, my kids are like, you know what? We want to go and experience high school back in Vancouver. Can we move home? And then we're like, oh, you had to play that card, didn't you? You know, like <laughs> now we got to be responsible parents and we got to, you know. And, and so, yeah, we moved back to Vancouver and here we are. You know, and then COVID happened. And uh, this last year has been just, you know, lots of interesting challenges, but also at the same time, lots of cool opportunities have come about. So it's like this, this neat kind of a balance, right? But that's the, the three minute quick snapshot from about age nine to 44. <laughs> so a lot, a lot, a lot there to unpack in that little snippet. Uh, what is it like being, you said full-time family. Can you just like mm, explain that to sure. me? Like what, you know, one, what does that look like? And, and how is that? Do you feel like that that's helped your family be kind of stronger? To be fair, you know, it's one of our pillars. Now, now my wife and I as individuals, family is important, but also as a couple, you know, it was something, one of those shared values that attracted us to each other when we first met, you know, and when you think about it, like when you make that lifelong commitment to somebody, it's usually because you got some values <laughs> in right. common, at least I, I hope so, because it's, it's, it's a nice place to build a relationship on and be rough family. Yeah, that's right. I, I agree with you. And, and so family was one of those. And uh, you know, my wife had a, a bug for traveling. Like she just loved traveling. And, but I was the guy that, you know, I, I was building my career in the, my early twenties and, you know, she was, you know, just saving up to, to go away for another six to 12 months kind of thing. I just caught her in between travels as she was working at a restaurant my brother worked at. And, uh, you know, so we, I, I I love redheads. Uh, that's just something about me. I, I like reds. You know, I, I like those tinges of gingers. Like <laughs> <laughs> so I was attracted to her and uh, my brother made it possible. Well, sort of made an introduction and then uh, we sort of hit it off. And, and you know, fast forward a, a few years later, you know, we're, we're settled down. We have kids together. She had always said that she would love to travel the world as a family one day. You know, it was sort of like her dream and vision was us as a, our family was growing and as we were aging, that there would be an opportunity for us to go and experience the world together. And mm -hmm. not just, you know, a vacation, but more than just a vacation, like an actual go and slow travel where you're in a place maybe for three, four, five months at a time. And so you get to experience the culture and the sights and the right. sounds and the smells and the flavors, you know, like really submerse yourself. Well. I was in career mode. For me, I, th there was conflict there. I thought I, I can be a great dad. You know, I can still be a dad. I can still be a husband, but I'm also a business owner and my business is brick and mortar. I was in retail and I'm like, I can't leave this. This is it. This is what I've been working towards, you know, and working as an entrepreneur, I had a mentor. And for those that are listening to this, if you're, a, uh, you know, an entrepreneur, <laughs> you may relate to this. My, my mentor said, oh, are you sure you want to be an entrepreneur? You know, and I was like, yeah, of course, because I can be in control of my own schedule and I can do this and I can do that, right? And he's like, oh, hold up, die. Wait, 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 wait a second. No, 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 no. So, you know, as an entrepreneur, you have a life of working half time. Oh, I only got to work half time? Gosh, that sounds great. He goes, wait, 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 there's more. <laughs> he goes, yeah, you either going to work the first half of the day or the second half of the day, you know, the first 12 hours or the last 12 hours, you know? So mm -hmm. he sort of put things in perspective. I didn't really appreciate that until later on when I realized, yeah, I mean, I was the 70 hour work week was a normal, you know? So that couple in sleep and maybe a little bit of self-care practice here and there, it, 
what time did I have left with the family? So it was just a real struggle because here's my core value. One of my values is family and having a good time with them. But meanwhile, on the other side of the coin, I felt really responsible to be involved in my business. And, and I felt drawn to that. And it was a big part of my identity as well, to be fair. You know, I had a C-level, nice little title and, and, and ownership. And, you know, so I had a reputation as this guy that owns this business and does all these things. And that was how I defined myself. So, so there's a lot of conflict there. Right. So it came down. My wife's like, Hey, you know, what do you think about this idea of us just traveling the family as a family, like just leaving everything behind and just going and doing this. And I'm like, you're crazy. <laughs> like, you're, like, who are you? <laughs> I have no idea who you are. You're, you're nuts. And, uh, I love, uh, Corey, that you, you were talking about your, just how much you love listening to podcasts. Well, my wife's very similar and she used to listen to a lot of family travel podcasts. Mm. And if, for those that are out there, there's actually a really big community of people that do this stuff. Like they're rather nomadic. They, they drive their incomes by doing things online and they're traveling with their families around the world. And, and, you know, this is all foreign to me. I was like, nah, right. Those people are crazy. You know, <laughs> they're living right. off the grid. Wow. I had a lot of excuses. A lot of pushback. Mm. I was very resistant. Let's put it that way. But she kept dripping on me. Oh, here's a podcast. Listen to this. You sound just like this guy. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> here's a cool podcast. You know, these kids are actually younger than our kids. And blah, 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 blah. Anyways, it started to wear on me. I was like, well, why am I so fixed on this idea of what I can't do? Why don't I start asking myself, well, what can I do? What do I have the potential to do? And more importantly, what do I want to do? Where I never really asked myself, what do I want? I just figured, well, you got to get a job. You got to make lots of money. You got to have a family. You got to be able to support them, provide for them. You know, so I was just following this very linear path that I believe that that was what I was meant to be doing. But I never really stopped to say, well, what do I want to do? Right. Isn't it funny mm -hmm. that people get into entrepreneurship for freedom and then that thing, same thing they built for freedom mm -hmm. is holding them back from improving their life? From actual freedom, right? Well said. Yeah, it, it's a bit of a paradox, isn't it? <laughs> it's it is <laughs> it really is. interesting, and and I see it a lot, you know, and and I saw it a lot myself. I mean, that was my life. I, it, it sounds almost like a cliche. We share this now, and and people are like, well, entrepreneurship—it's a lot of work. Well, it is, and, mm -hmm. and it takes a very specific mindset to be a willing participant in that kind of a capacity, to be honest, like it, it's, it's hard. There's days where I'm like, man, it would just be so much easier. I just went back and got a regular nine to five. Like, honestly, like I, I have those thoughts at times. I did. Mm -hmm. But then it's again, reminding myself, well, but what, are, what's the vision? What am I building into? What am I working towards creating? And this is where my, my wife and I got really creative in reverse engineering. You know, I mean, everybody reverse engineers, you look at, I mean, gosh, you look at our, 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 retail marketplace, most of the stuff is a product of reverse engineering. <laughs> it's a knockoff product. They figured out how to make it and make it almost identical. Right. And it's this idea of figuring out what do we want? You know, what, and so we started asking the question and for those listening, you might find value in this exercise. It's like actually sitting down with your partner and saying, well, what kind of life do we want? What kind of parenting do we want to do? Where do we want to be living? You know, what kind of things do we want to do where we're living and kind of people we want to surround ourselves. So we really started to paint a picture of, of the life and the lifestyle that we wanted. And then we started saying, well, I'm not independently wealthy and I'm not expecting big lump sums of change just to magically appear in my bank account. So how do we afford to do this? This, this vision we have for what we want to live our life like. And, and then, so we started to reverse engineer backwards. Well, what could we create that could support that life. 
you know? And so we created from that place. So we already created certain parameters around, well, how much time do we want to commit? What kind of energy? What do we want to be doing with that time that we commit to earning an income? And, and so it was really just, it was a great process, but it, I mean, it was a process that went on a span of, of a couple of years. And I, people are like, well, did you just up and leave? And I'm like, no, it took Take me 20 time. months to leave my job. By the time I made the decision, I'm leaving and we're going to do this, 20 months. Mm. over a year and a half right like it's it's not like someone woke up and said hey i'm quitting my job today and we're gonna go traveling let's go kids you know like, <laughs> I, right. I am not that spontaneous i'm not that kind of guy There's right no way you know so, right and i do this with patients a lot i mean pretty pretty similar i like i like the the term reverse engineering right mm -hmm. because even with patients that i see and, and you probably do this too and don't even know it with with the goal with mm. say, say exercise, right. And say, you want to go to the gym, your, your goal is to go to the gym or to eat healthier. Say, let's say, for example, going to the gym, you want to go to the gym every afternoon. Well, what do you have to do to make sure that when it's time to go to the gym, you're ready? Well, I got to put my gym clothes out. I got to make sure this is done. So it's, it's all, it's also the same thing, right? It's like, you got to make sure all the stuff on the back end is right. So when you're ready to make that change, it's, it's almost, it's easier. Yes. Because if you just be like, all right, let's go. It probably, it probably would have ended horribly. Well, you know, I, I like that you bring that up because, and, and I have to remind myself of some of the, the other things that we did because there's a lot of faith right? Absolutely. <laughs> and I can only trust the things. Well, yeah. We, we've always been the kind of people that we, if you look at our, our psychological biases, we're clearly very lopsided to optimistic bias, bias, you know, like, like we are optimistically biased. We just, we'd mm -hmm. rather look at the cup, you know, half full every day of the week rather than half empty. And like, even in our household, we, we have a swear bear jar and it's not the normal C word. You know, if there's a four letter C word center in our house, you put money in the jar. A lot of people instinctively go to a certain C word. And I'm like, no, it's the word can't, mm. you know, like, <laughs> we try to <laughs> remove that from our vocabulary in our house. Right. So you got to, I'm trying to give you some context. So we're, rather positive people now not to say we're always positive i mean that's just ridiculous but we're, right. we'll default to that as our normal now as optimistic as we might be and as positive we might be we, we still got to be realistic a little bit here and and we, we started to um utilize an exercise i learned about through uh, a ted talk by uh, tim ferris and i don't know if you've seen his, his ted talk but in one of them he talks about an exercise called fear setting he talks about modern day stoicism Yes. I have seen that. Great. And, and so that exercise of asking yourself, what is the worst that can happen? Right. And, and really start listing off what's the worst. Thing. So we're like, okay, well, we both quit our jobs, you know, and we go travel with the kids. We give away all of our stuff. Uh, Start whoa, pretty bad. What's the worst that can happen? You can get pretty creative. Trust me. You can get really creative on doomsday scenarios. Uh, but really, when we boiled it down, we're like, you know what? We run out of money. We got to ask one of our parents to help us out a bit. And we move back home. We live with one of our parents for a little bit. We get grounded and we get jobs again. I mean, that was really the worst that can happen. And we're mm. like, you know what? We're going to put off this, this dream, this want, this goal because we're afraid of a possibility that may never, ever happen. And it may, but 
you know what I mean with this, right? Mm -hmm. Like we'd already said, you know, most of us spend most of our time either thinking about things that we can't change or worrying about things that will probably never happen. Right. (laughs) we're, We're missing right now. And just to close that loop, you know, there's also one additional exercise and was us asking ourselves, you know, 10, 20 years from now, when we're reflecting back on this moment, what are we going to be more regretful of? We'll be more regretful of not acting on the thing that we've both identified as being important and something that we really want. Or we'll be more regretful that we said, you know what, our dreams aren't worth the risk. Let's just keep doing what we do and let's play it safe. That was not the conversation I wanted to have 20 years down the road. So I, I was much happier to be able to sleep with, oh yeah, you know, we tried that thing. We, we ran out of money after a few months, but man, it was pretty fun while it lasted. Right. You know, like, a great story. Ah, I'd rather be in that place. And, and so once you got clear on those, as you people listen to this and maybe even yourself, Corey, you can imagine like you start to rationalize your way through it and you, you, you can start to develop a little bit more belief. And acceptance that, hey, yeah, there is a little bit of risk here, but I can accept the risk because, man, I really mm-hmm. want this, you know? Yeah. Acceptance. That, that, that's, that's a big word for, for, I think, people need to really, really appreciate more is mm. just, a, well, a few things. Accepting where you're at right now in your life with whatever change it may be, die, like accepting that yeah. like, this is where I'm here. This is where I'm at right now. And like, okay, this is what it is. But also understanding that you can change that. You know what I mean? Because I feel like yeah. a lot of people, and I would love to get your thoughts on this. Cause I, I, I have spoken with a lot of people with this mentality. They accept where they're at and they don't even try to change it. Right? right. It's like, this is, it is what it is. <laughs> right? I hear that a lot. It uh, is what it is. Yeah. Well, yeah. you know. I, I can I can accept like okay this is this is where I'm at now but I also understand that I can change it if I choose to mm. right and then I I think ex- accepting where you're at is different accepting and just giving up is different than accepting hey this I put myself in this situation or I you know, I I built this business and you know that I'm I'm afraid of X Y Z like mm-hmm. yes I did this okay. Now, what can I do to change it if if I want to, or if I see it is that bad? Yeah, you know i I listen to what you're saying, and I'm like, yep. Yeah. <laughs> you know that idea of of just, I mean, another way for, for sort of framing it as much as you know, it's accepting the consequence, right, yes. for our actions. Uh, but it's also accepting the results that have been created in our life is a direct result of the decisions and choices and actions we've either taken or not taken up to this point. Absolutely. Right. So it's also full, full on accountability, right? Self-accountability. I, I find a lot of the times, like it, that's the one that I wrestle with the most though. Like, it's like, Oh man, it, like woulda, shoulda, coulda, yep. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. start thinking about all the things I should have done or I could have done, but I didn't. And why didn't I do it? I mean, it's a pretty gnarly rabbit hole when you start to get down there and yeah, we, we wonder why we get so consumed by our own negative self-talk. It's, it's because it's there all the time and it's easy to keep it going. If we're not doing anything proactively to change it, right? To, to mm-hmm. reframe how we look at the world, reframe how we look at ourselves. And so it does come down to some basic habits, right? Which you teach to your clients, especially from Absolutely. a health perspective. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's important, but it's just little foundational things. And, but I think, and just to answer your question, so we can leap into that is 
you know, when I think back on it, and you some of the biggest challenges that I've had with with making real systemic change in my life, like change that affects everything else. I've found that it's often because I forgot what it was like to live in a good place. That's the opposite of whatever that place was that I felt like I needed to change. As an example, when I was 14 and at my heaviest, you know, I had a BMI of over 40 (laughs) and, Mm. you know, I was five, nine at that time. And my weight was 20 pounds heavier than I am now. And I'm six, one now. And and I weigh about, and just put it in perspective, I'm six, one, I weigh about two ten. Right. And so back then I was about 230, but also quite a bit shorter. So it just was out. <laughs> I went outward. <laughs> and uh, it, I mean, life was hard. I mean, I was a teenager boy and, and I got bigger and bigger from the age nine to 14, almost 15. And I know that that 14 year old me had no belief in change. Mm. You know, like I couldn't remember what it was like to be nine and to wake up and feel energized and like I could go play sports with my friends that I could, you know, I I didn't have that physical confidence anymore, but I couldn't even remember what it was like other, like I, I couldn't remember anything other than being overweight, out of shape, out of breath, going upstairs. Like that was my real world and that was everything I could see. And so if you don't have anything to, to lock onto that might prove of an alternative option. You know, just the idea of feeling good in the morning, like waking up and actually feeling like, oh man, I was in bed for eight hours. I feel like I right. slept for two. Like, but to wake up and say, wow, that's what a good night's sleep is supposed to feel like. Like, right. wow, I walked up my flight of stairs, you know, and wow, my heart rate's like the same. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like just yeah. little things like that. But, but there are things that I think sometimes we can take for granted um, until you don't have it. If you've never had it, it's really hard to know what you're missing and what what possible what's potential in you, right? Like right. that belief. Absolutely. Like it's what was that so change for you? What was oh. that change for you to be like, hey, this is not the life that I want for myself as I get older? That made you what changed your mindset on that? Well, if I boiled it down to one statement, it was ultimately I, I was at a fork in the road and it was it's like I could go left or I could go right. I could do one of two things, right? And I was afraid of both options. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So I was, I like to let people know I was afraid of both choices. And one choice, it, it, it scared me a lot. And it was the idea of, well, what if I just wasn't here anymore? Mm. You know, what if I didn't have to live this life anymore? What if I, I mean, this is hard and that's a very easy out. That was, I was afraid of that path, you know, that finality. I was also raised Christian. And, and so there's a certain opinion around. Uh, right. you know, ending one's own life. And, and, and also a 14 year old boy, you know, like I'm emotionally a little wound up a lot going on, <laughs> a lot going on, right? Yeah, absolutely. And here's the other option. The other option was what if I just try to do things different than I'm doing it now? <laughs> like, <laughs> well, what if I actually, instead of just eating a lot of this food that makes me feel good in the moment, but I know is not making me feel good long-term, what if I put down the video game controller and stop hitting play on the VCR at the time? You know, like, what if I just stopped doing those and started doing other things that I deem as probably being a healthier option? What if I started doing that? But that was scary too, because that involved change, right? And, right. and change is often a lot of unknowns and that makes us afraid. And, and so I was afraid of both options, but at the end of the day, I was like, which one am I least afraid of? Well, I was least afraid of the idea of actually living into some changes. 
and mm-hmm. and so coming from that place, I mean, I went to the library. I got books in on fitness and nutrition. You know, I I, I hit this sort of switch in my brain, and my, my kids laugh because I'm like, "Well, Dad, why don't you just like Google it?" I'm like, "Your dad's <laughs> even Google," you know. I'm like, and they're like, "Dad, you really are old," you know. I'm like, "Man, you kids are annoying," <laughs> but but uh, you know, I I remember very vividly. Yeah, I was quite young, you know, I was at my heaviest as well. And my, my parents had separated when I was nine and I'm sure there's lots to unpack there, but listen, I've worked with therapists. I've worked with psychologists. We don't have to go down that path, mm-hmm. but regardless, th- there was some emotial trauma and, and right. it probably led to why I self-medicated with food, you know, mm-hmm. but that being aside, you know, here I am and I, I want to make some changes. And I remember being at my dad's place and having a shower and he was rushing us, my brother and I to take us somewhere that day. I have no idea where it could have been bowling or something, but he was rushing us. It was a Saturday morning. Normally, you know, I could take long showers because that was my hack. Okay. It was the shower hack. It's actually the mirror hack because if I was in the shower long enough and it was hot enough, I would come out and the mirror would be covered in condensation. Locked up. So I didn't have to look at my reflection. Like this is, I mean, there's two photos of me at that, that state of unhealth. Like, thank goodness I wasn't alive when people had smartphone cameras in their hip pocket, you know, because I don't know what I would have done that's why I have a lot of empathy and I can really, I feel for this generation, mm-hmm. you know, and, and especially those that are battling with health issues or any sort of issue. Cause man, social media has an, an ability to just amplify things man, and, and it's not necessarily in a good way, you know, case in point, what we've been noticing in the news a lot lately, you know, Absolutely. like it, it's crazy. It, and, but all this, you know, to, to get to the point, I, I, found myself getting into that, that bathtub, you know, standing outside of the shower and starting to towel off. And out of my periphery, I could see my silhouette. And I don't know why, but for some reason I turned and I locked eyes with myself. And then I started to do the scan. Mm. And, and I don't recall the last time I really saw myself as who I was, because I was so good at just avoiding any reflections at all. And here I was, I finally saw myself and who I was right now. And I just broke down. Ugly cry, you know, like the ugly cry, mm-hmm. like the sobbing. It's like you wouldn't even recognize me, you know, like it's just <laughs> my right. face is all distorted. Like, and I am just sobbing. And, and, and yeah, and I got out of the shower and sure, I should be dry by now, but you know, the tears are just running down. And I just remember all of a sudden feeling this, this after I exhausted all the hateful self talk, you know, like I was like, I'm disgusted by you. I hate you. You're gross. Like, who's ever going to love you? you? You know how the mind can work. Yeah. We're in that, especially in that self deprecating state we're feeling really low or at our lowest, my goodness, we can be so hurtful to ourselves. And, and, and here I was really hurting myself. And, but then I got to a point where I exhausted all that. I don't think I had any more tears left. Meanwhile, I got my dad out in the living room like, where it's taking so long, you know? Like, <laughs> and I just, something switched. It was the weirdest thing. I was like, you know what? Forget this. I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to start riding a bike. You know, like, and that was sort of the thought. And I remember coming out of the bathroom and mentioned my dad. I'm like, you know, I'm really feeling like I, I want to start exercising more. And, and, and I'd really like a bike. Like I, I need a bike. And my dad took me shopping for a bike like that day. Oh, wow. Like, dude. Three it, supports it was, through this change. He, 
Well, because up to that point, and you know, those that are can relate to being in that state of unhealth. And if you're in that state right now, listen, I feel for you. And you might have people or family members, people that really love you or care for you unconditionally. And they know because they want you to be around a long time. They want you to be happy. And they know that health is a limiting factor. And so my family, you know, especially my mom and my dad, they would often say, Hey, we can hire you a nutritionist. We'll put you into karate, or why don't we hire you a personal trainer? You know, these mm. kind of comments were being made. And every time I hear that, I'm like, what, saying I'm fat? Like, you know, like instantly it's just like the wall would go up and I'd push away and I'd get really, I'd act out, you know, I'd be a typical teen, but times a few hundred, right? Like I just, I'd lose it. And because I felt that they were insinuating that I was less than I was and Mm. that I needed to change. And I didn't want to change because I wasn't at that place yet. But then on that day in front of that mirror, <laughs> I got to that place. Right. And then it was just a matter of what can I do right away that's going to start to move me forward. And uh, getting a mountain bike, that was it, man. I just started cycling every day. And I wasn't very good at it. Like, I mean, I had the balance. I'd learned when I was a kid. But, man, it, it was hard. I, I bet I just I went out and I cycled and I just moved my body. But it was something nice because I could do it by myself. I could do it privately. Right. I lived out in the country, so there's lots of country roads. So it just went and I did that every day. Started changing how I ate. 20 months later. It's funny, it's another 20 months, right? Like same time mm-hmm. for me, that, that 20 months keeps recurring for some weird reason. But uh, it yeah. took me 20 months to leave a career of 17 years. It took me 20 months to change my life, you know, from morbidly obese teen to a healthy, happy human, you know? And so, uh, yeah, that's what happened. That's the deal. That's awesome. That's awesome. Mm, thanks, man. So uh, there, there was something that you had talked about before, and uh, mm. it was this meditation trip that you did. Yeah. Tell, tell me about that, because this is just, <laughs> is, I, I try to, like, just doing five minutes is like, <laughs> to me. oh, man, that's so true. It's so, I, you, know, you sound like, I mean, this is like the exact conversation I have with, with people, you know, and, and especially with my wife and, uh, cause I've always struggled with meditation as well. You know, I've mm. always struggled with, it. I know I, listen, I realize based on all the studies and the literature, I get it. It's good for us. Right? <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, I'm sold on it. But it doesn't make it any easier. Right. You know? And, uh, but I do have a practice of meditation. I'm more of a walking meditator. So when you look at it, it really meditating is a lot of different things. Like professional athletes are meditating every time they're competing, you know, like they get into that flow state and it's very similar, mm. right? Like it's a, you lose a, a track of time. You really, you, you become much more aware of what's happening on the inside and, and things just start to click. And, uh, you know, so I understood that well, meditation, it, it's probably accessible. I just haven't figured it out yet how to really do it and, and be a great meditator. And uh, and then I, I, was, I discovered walking meditation, which for me is just getting outside, going for a walk, just taking in the surroundings, especially if I can do it in the woods. I, I found that that was my happy place where I would come away from that walk feeling really grounded and connected to myself, you know, mm. like just feeling like, whew, I feel calmer. And, and I'm sure if you took my blood pressure before and after we could have some quantitative data to prove that I was a lot more chill after coming out of the woods, but here it is. And here's the nut. I, I know that meditation's a valuable skill that any one of us human beings can benefit from. I know this. Okay. And, but I was always so resistant to wanting to explore it deeper, you know, wanting to, to practice a little bit more, uh, maybe intently, you know, with more intention behind it. 
rather than just chilling for five minutes and trying to clear my mind. I mean, it takes me a while just to, to unplug, you know, what's going on between the years. <laughs> right. I haven't quite figured it out. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm still a work in progress and I think that's all we all are, but I, I had this coach that I had hired and I'd started working with and we're about three months into working together. And uh, he says, yeah, so I'll, I'm going to be away for a couple of weeks. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Where are you going away on vacation or whatever? And he goes, I'm doing this uh, Vipassana. And I'm like, oh, Vipassana, what, what is that? And he goes, well, it's a 10-day silent retreat. I'm like, dude, you're crazy. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that was like literally verbatim. I'm like, dude, you're crazy. Like, that's just nuts. Like, how you, what are you going to do for 10 days? And so he proceeds to tell me what he's going to do. And I'm still like, well, hey, better you than me. <laughs> I'll see you in a couple weeks. <laughs> Absolutely. He got back a couple weeks later and I'm having this call with him and I'm like, body snatchers? Like, what is up? Like, who are you? <laughs> like, he wow. was just so like his demeanor changed. And I'm not the kind of guy that's going to say, oh, like your aura or your energy, you know, like <laughs> I get that we're all energetic people, but I, I don't usually use that type of language. Right. Like, right, but right. if I had to steal a page from that, I, I would say like he had, he was shining at a different. That was intensity. him. The definition yeah. of that. Yeah, it was wild. But, and he was just, you could just see it was just so much more present. Like he was just aware. He was there. It was just like, whoa. So I sort of shelved that idea. I was still like, wow, that's pretty cool. You know, he, he had an amazing experience. I'm, wow, good for him. You know, it was like, good for him. Me, I'll just do my thing. <laughs> and funny enough, and this is how I, I swear, I swear the universe does try to talk to us at times because. Not no joke of a lie. Within the next four or five weeks, I, I was out at two different events. I'm, I'm very active in what's called Toastmasters, and so I was uh, president of a club at the time. So I had this guest come in, and uh, there there were a coach, and we got into this conversation. And they had just themselves had a Vipassana, uh, like within a month. And it's like, wow, okay. So here's this person I respect and talk, and no joke of a lie. Then another event I was at, um, I was a speaker for, and I was talking to another speaker. And then it came up that that person had just recently done an Vipassana as well, like within the last year. And I'm like, okay, three different people, three different, like completely detached, like separate individuals that don't know each other, will never meet each other, but they all recently had this experience. And I'm like, <sighs> so I looked at my wife and I'm like, Christy, I think, I think I should do a Vipassana. She's like, all right. Let's do it. <laughs> so I went online. <laughs> I went to Vipassana.org. It's a non, like just, you know, Vipassana is super interesting, but it's considered the meditation practice or style of meditation that uh, Siddhartha, or the, who eventually, you know, meditated under a tree and became the Buddha or, mm. or the enlightened one. And it was believed that it was Vipassana meditation was that style of meditation that allowed him to transcend into Buddha <laughs> uh, or become the enlightened one. and. So that's sort of that backstory there, because what it is, is you, you literally register online, you find a Vipassana and they're all over the world. It costs no money to go to it, but you have to be prepared to commit about 11 days of your life. You show up, they take all your electronics, all your writing utensils. <laughs> they take everything from you. <laughs> Pretty much a monk. Okay. For those next 11 days. And so you're, there's no writing allowed, no talking allowed. You take a, a vow of silence when you're there. There's also uh, only one meal a day. It's vegetarian based. They also, <laughs> uh, no exercise. Like it's, it's literally you're from 4.30 in the morning till about nine at night, you're sitting on a pillow. 
you know, and you're doing these sessions that are usually anywhere from an hour to two where you're just being taught this meditation style. And there's an instructor that you, you connect with only a couple times, but uh they, they have some educational stuff in the evenings, but you're, you're literally experiencing this all on your own. And you're wow. going through this process of, you, you know, my entire life up to this point, you know, cause I was 42 at the time when I did that it, up to that point, I don't know of any time when I've really ever turned my attention inward to that intensity. Do you know what I mean? Like we're, we're just so focused on everything that's going on around us. And there's so world. many distractions oh, around us. So and it's much. hard to focus on ourselves. So how was that first day? That first uh, day with all the distractions. Shoot me. <laughs> <laughs> like, shoot me. Is this over yet? Like, uh, and it kind of reminds me, like, I don't know if you've ever tried Bikram's yoga, but I remember it was all the rage and Vancouver is mm-hmm. a little bit of a hotbed for yoga. And, uh, I remember going to my very first yoga uh, Bikram's class and they said, that, I remember the teacher, the instructor saying, listen, the only, your first challenge on day one is just to stay in the room. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> and, and so I kept thinking that here I am sitting on the pillow for the first time, looking at the clock and I'm like, oh my gosh, it's 4.30 in the morning and I'm pretty much doing this for the next 10 days. Okay. All right. Well, this is, this is happening. And, and I just remember thinking like, wow, my, my goal is just to be present here. Just be here. For this experience, not worry about everything else. Just be here for this, and so I had to have that self dialogue, that self talk, to sort of keep bringing me back to now. Otherwise, I'd be thinking about things I'd rather be doing, <laughs> or I'd be thinking about things that I, I I would I have done. You know, entertaining myself within my mind with my imagination or memories. And I realized really quick, wow, I do that a lot. Mm. Like I do that a lot, and I also realized there's no lo- noisier place on this planet let alone the universe as noisy as what I hear inside my own head every day, you know? And, and so it was a quite the exercise and, and, you know, come day three, day four, it kind of, I, I hit that point where it was like, Whoa, do I want to quit this or do I want to stay? You know, like it was like really real. I was like, this is tough, man. This is hard. My body was aching in certain places that I've never hurt before. And, and this is very common. When you search getting into meditation, your body's like, what are you doing? It doesn't, it doesn't, it wants to fight back. Mm. You know, it wants to fight. It's like move. It wants to draw your attention away. It wants to like, it's weird what your body will start to do. And so I started feeling these aches and pains and a lot of time they're not even there, but they're like phantom aches and pains. Right. And it's just like right. trying to get me to break that focus, that breath, that ability to just try to clear the mind, you know? And uh, I realized this happens all the time, you know, all the time. And so I got through that day. And then day five through 10 was pretty smooth sailing. I mean, it was just a lot of the same. <laughs> and uh, But I got, I got into sort of a, a comfortable flow uh, and, and I just really started to enjoy it. But I'll tell you, when I came home after that, and so I did my Vipassana retreat in Thailand and my family was back in Bali and uh, when I remember getting back to Bali and I took a couple of days to decompress up by myself, I didn't want to go right back into the real world, right back into family life without just sort of decompressing or having a bit of buffer. So it was a couple of days. And then I, I flew back to Bali and I remember getting home and my kids I had to pull my wife aside and they're like, is daddy okay? <laughs> you know, like, is, 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 is he all right? Um, he's, he's like really relaxed and, and, pretty chill like i i is he okay like they were really concerned <laughs> wow and then my wife you know she started to explain and i explained a little bit about just how i was feeling and communicating these feelings and i was just like wow 
meditation is a good thing. <laughs> you yeah, know, right. so it was this just, it was interesting to sort of see how it not only affected myself, but more importantly, affected some of the relationships that were most important in my life. So I, I think it's a beautiful thing. Anybody that's interested in it, you don't have to go to that extreme, but but I do encourage people look into meditation courses or programs. And like one of my favorite apps on the phone is Insight Timer. Insight and it's a free Timer. app. It's free. Like you can pay for it. They have paid content as well. But if, I, I swear it would take you a year to get through all the free content. And uh, mm. it's amazing. They have courses from all different styles of meditation and they're free. They're all on the app and they'll walk you through meditation. They'll guide you. And just, I, I tell everybody, just, just start playing with it. Don't, no expectations, not, take all that out, away, you know, and just, just embrace the period of time that you're willing to dedicate every day, start with five minutes and just see what happens. Right. Mm -hmm. And I mean, with, with all the noise going on in the world today, yeah. 2020, 2021, we, five minutes is, we can do at least five minutes I think of so. some quiet. Yeah. You know what I mean? Absolutely. What are some of the things that you you got from that experience that you are you're still practicing now? Is it just like are you just kind of med meditating once a day, or like were were there some experiences that you had yeah. that you felt like you kind of added to your toolbox of daily living? Yeah. Thanks for asking that. That's a great question. Yeah. I guess, you know, so traditional Vipassana isn't like a full day of meditation. The style yeah. itself is actually one hour in the morning, one hour at night. Okay. And it's also, you usually end your period by reflecting on the feeling or the emotion, that state that we uh, experience when we're in a state of gratitude. You know, like when you're really in that mood of gratitude, you know, that attitude of gratitude, as they say, yeah. when you're really feeling like your whole body feels like, wow, like this is my life. These are the people that are in my life. These are the relation. These are all the things I really feel grateful. Like, so you, you got to realize you come out of this one hour meditation and, and you really start to focus in on this intentional feeling of gratitude. And then he talks about um, the main instructor, the one that's really brought Vipassana to the mainstream, at least, you know, globally uh, was uh, a gentleman by the name, last name Goenka. And uh, it just amazing because you'll see a lot of his lectures on YouTube and, and different interviews on podcasts and just a very grounded individual. And, when you start to dive into this, you'll, you'll realize that, you know, he, he's non-secular. So even though there might be that little Buddhist influence on Vipassana, mm -hmm. they only ever teach at the Vipassana organizations. It's non-secular. So there's actually non-denominational. Uh, there's no um, undertoning religions mm -hmm. uh, or religion, gotcha. like any messaging. So it's really cool because they want to make it accessible to everybody. They recognize this is a skill, but it's a skill that can really help a lot of people. So it's all based on donations. So even if people wanted to go and experience this, you could, if you've got the time, you you can go do this. And they just ask you like come day uh, 11, you know, you've finished everything and they take you to the gift shop and they're like, would you like to leave a donation? So you can pay it forward and help the next person that we want to sponsor to come through this experience. And of course, people always open up their walls by that point because it's a life-changing experience. It's like, well, what was that worth to me? Well, this is what it's worth to me. But right. you know, if I had more, I'd give more, but this is what I can do, you know? And uh, But without that expectation, that's not expected. Sorry. And where I was going with this is even though it's an hour in the morning, hour at night, this idea of really experiencing gratitude when you're in that place after a, a really deep meditation you can feel that energy. And he talks about just giving the energy back to the world. 
you know, like just with that intention, just be like focusing in on those relationships or those areas. And, uh, and I get that. I mean, I mean, if we had a billion people doing that every day, I mean, I, I think that the energy may shift a little bit if you're into that sort of, uh, belief system. I mean, I don't know. Sounds really nice. Right. And, um, but that's Vipassana, you know, it's a, it's just one style of, of lots, like dozens and dozens and dozens of styles and variations of meditation. Don't, don't, this is just my experience. And and I always tell everybody, just go have your own, whatever it is, just, just have one experience yourself. Yeah. Right. Right. I've done maybe 27, 30 interviews with the, the healthy project. And one common theme that I've noticed with the majority, not all of them, but the majority of the interviews, gratefulness has came up in some way, shape, yeah. or form. Yeah. Whether it's someone recommending having a, a, a gratefulness journal to write down what mm-hmm. you're grateful for, um, or just grateful, just being grateful of where you're at. And I think it's just so important to to a, a mental a healthy life in general. I mean, you're your, your mental health of just being first being grateful. I mean, there's, you know, there's meditation and there's all these things, but I, like you just said, meditation from what I get from it allows you to really feel that gratefulness and that purpose that yes. you have. Yes. Right. And it's, it's just so interesting that we understand that gratefulness is important, but how do we, how do we feel that gratefulness instead of just saying it? Yes. Thank you. I, I think that emotional tie-in to gratitude is, yeah. is really key. Like we, we, we do say it a lot. We, oh, I'm really grateful for this. Or I'm, we fill out the journals and yeah, I remember I had one client and, and, you know, he would go through every tool, every, every exercise and he would do it like, because he's the kind of student of life that just mm-hmm. likes to get stuff done and cross things off his to-do list. Yep. You know, like he's very self-directed, like he will go and do it. But He's like, you know, I really feel like this whole gratitude thing. I keep writing down these gratitudes and I'm just like, it's just a waste of time. Like, I, I don't really get it. And I'm like, okay, but what do you keep writing? And then, you know, and then you start to look at his three lists of gratitudes. I mean, look at the last couple of weeks and it was like the same thing repeated day in, day out, right? Like, I'm grateful <laughs> for my family, grateful for my job, uh, and I'm grateful for my health. And I'm like, okay, well, switch it up here. Oh, okay, I'll change the order. No, that's not what we do, right? <laughs> like it's, and really, it, all of a sudden, it really started to hit home when I started asking him to describe what life would be like if he didn't have those things. Because sometimes it's the lack of that we can get a lot more clarity of. Like we connect more to the negative emotion than we do the positive, which is really weird. Like I know it's weird and it's even weird to say that, but just based on my experience, and, and maybe you can echo this as well, Corey, but we, we relate really well to negative experiences. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> the first person, why oh, had that happened to me too? You know, yeah. like I just got rear-ended. Oh, I remember the last time that happened to me, you know, like when we, we celebrate, I mean, look at the news. I mean, it makes yeah. big business on this stuff. Right. And so recognizing the, these tendencies and, and knowing this, uh, when you really start to feel what the lack of that thing is that you're grateful for, if you didn't have it, it ties in that opposite emotion, but then it's a memory of flipping. Well, I do have that. And that instant release of that negative now becomes positive. And so it can start to anchor in sort of that emotional tie-in, mm-hmm. right? To that gratitude. And the crazy thing is too, with gratitudes, when you're really feeling the gratitude, you don't have any room for any other emotion. Like think about it. When you're in that state of really feeling grateful for something, try to all of a sudden switch to being angry. Like it just, it, it just doesn't really happen. Impossible. It's Yeah. I, I agree. Like it's really, really hard. I mean, 
I guess if I was dysfunctional enough, maybe I could do that. <laughs> but I, I like to think I've done a lot of work on that area. So maybe it's not so quick to flip that switch, but it's really challenging to, to shake yourself out of that state and now into something negative or high stress or anxious. Like it's, it's just really hard. It's not something that happens naturally or easily. So there's something to that. You know, if we're all in agreement, well, that sounds right. It's like, it's almost like cigarettes. It's like, yeah, I don't need the whole package to be the picture of someone's mouth that's covered in cancer. Like I already know, you know, I, I agree it's, it's smoking's bad for us and it's almost common knowledge now. Yet there's still a lot of people that do it. Right. My brother, he only quit the last couple of years. You know, my grandfather smoked his entire life and it wasn't cancer that killed him. It was just old age. I mean, he, he was one of the few that made it through. Right. But but this idea, right? Like it's, I don't know. I, I could talk all day about this stuff, but um, I, I don't know. Does that make sense? Like, am I just sort of shooting nope. out the left field here? You know? it, it, it does. It does. It, it, it all boils down to human behavior is so complex. Like it is, it is right. so complex. Why, why would one thing work for somebody that doesn't work for somebody else? I have a patient, I, I have a patient that I see on one of my online clients outside mm-hmm. of the hospital. Her, we, we go, it's, it's the strategy we go, it's called meaning and value. So we have this meaning and value work, work, uh, worksheet that I had her go through. And she was like, for the longest time, her value was in food, the food that she ate because of the emotions around it. She had positive emotions around going to eat, get ice cream with her father. She had, you know, she, she has a big family that grew up, they always had Sunday dinners and they food was a prominent part of her life. And she says something that I will, I will never forget. And it was, it was, it's so simple, but it's so true. And she goes, as we're going through this meanings and value worksheet, that what, what's meaningful to you, what's valuable to you, what, what are you grateful for? She said for the, she said it was hard for her because it was food was her value. It was like finding out at being a child and finding out that Santa wasn't real and now trying to figure out how you can be happy about Christmas. Wow. When this whole time, like you're so excited about Santa and you're so excited about <laughs> Christmas because Santa's bringing you all these gifts. Now you find out Santa's not real. Now, how do you enjoy Christmas? <laughs> right. Cause you know what I mean? I, how do you enjoy that? So now she's trying to find through this worksheet that we're going through, She's trying to find what her value is now. Like she has to figure out where her value, what she's grateful for. Cause yeah. all these, cause for the longest time it was food and now food has kind of turned its back on her. Yeah. The thing you value is giving is, is hurting your diabetes. It was hurting you. It's increasing mm-hmm. your weight. It's, incre- it's increasing your blood sugar It's doing these things where at one time it was what you enjoyed. And now it's, it's not. So, you know what I mean? Wow. And it's, it was that one, it was just, it's just one thing. It could be yeah. one thought, but it goes back to what you said when we were talking about your past die is the with same thing with you, how you had to make that change. She had to come up with that. Like there's, there's nothing I could have said to her. I've been seeing her for a long time. There's really nothing I could say and get her to do really to get her to that, to that point. She had to mm-hmm. come to that realization. Like that was yes. her mirror. You know what I mean? Right. Like, like yep. th- that was her mirror. That's where, thank God she has, she has a coach. I mean, that's where coaches come in handy, but coaches can't, can't, we can see it. Like, you know, if, if you're talking to someone or if you're mentoring somebody or things like that, 
you can kind of sense where they need to go and you can smack them all you want, (laughs) but they have to come (laughs) to that realization themselves first. And then it starts to click and the ball starts rolling. But like it, for some people, it could be sooner than later. It's just Mm. human behavior is just so complex. That same situation would be totally different with somebody else, possibly. It could be something else that, that makes it click for them. It just really, it really depends on where that person is at. And you're right. I mean, we're all at different stages of, of different journeys, you know, and uh, or different seasons of life, I guess, however you want to sort of frame it. But I mean, yeah, that coming to that place where change all of a sudden becomes, I don't know, where we just start to believe that it's possible. Mm -hmm. Right. Like it's, it's, I know how challenging it can be in that place where you feel like, change is never possible. Right. And, and I go as far as say, like, especially as it relates to me, you know, I, I, mean, right. I remember being at my certain periods of my life thinking that, yeah, change sounds really good, but I don't believe I can do it. You know, just not having that trust or belief in oneself, it, it can be really, really hard. But as soon as you start to realize that, oh, you know what, I think I can do this. You know, I think, oh, I know I can do this. Oh, this is what I got to do to to do this. And then you start to see the results. Mm -hmm. You can't help but have that switch flipped in your mind. And and I know it happens at different timing for people. But the cool thing is, is there's a process there. I mean, is this what we're talking about unique? No, there's, I mean, thousands of tens of thousands of stories online that people have access to of people that have had great change or overcome amazing challenges in their life. If it's one thing, I mean, by reading all those stories and seeing all the challenges, I don't know about you, but I feel way less alone in the world, you know, realizing that, you know, humanity, we're pretty darn resilient. Now, of course, all the climate change people think that's a negative. <laughs> like we're too darn resilient. Yeah. <laughs> Look what we're doing to this place. But you know, for the most part, just we we have some pretty cool stuff on our DNA. You know, and mm. we've gotten to where we are as a species, not by accident. You know, absolutely. So there, sometimes we just got to get out of our own way and just trust that if I do certain things and I do it often enough, good things can happen to me. You know, sometimes and, you just got to take, close your eyes and take action and just have yes. the faith that it's going to work out. Yeah. And I don't know, this is again, that's why I had to tell you earlier, I'm, I'm really biased to optimism because I'm going to always say, yeah, oh yeah, it's going to work out. You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't even entertain the opposing idea. And I'm like, well, if it happens, it happens. But for now, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> but uh, I, I love it when people just gain the belief in themselves. Right. And, and, you know, I'll sort of leave it at this. Like I often ask people, cause this is, I, I shared about my desire, especially when I left my career, you know, thinking back on it, I, I didn't want to think back on it and think that I regret any decisions. Right. Like I, I was like, which one will I regret less? Well, if you take that idea and you go one step further and, and this is kind of fun, maybe not. I mean, I don't, I don't know, but you know, you're a health coach, Corey. And, and, when you're encouraging people to maybe start to make little changes in how they fuel themselves, right? <laughs> what are, right. what kind of fuel are you putting in your body? Is this, is this clean unleaded like, or is this electric <laughs> fuel? Like, what is this? You know, is it sustainable? How's it operate on the engine? You know, you can play with that analogy all day long or metaphor, whatever you want. But at the end of the day, you know, and, and the way I sort of put this with my clients at times, it's like, okay, at lunch, you know, 
if you have a salad and you put maybe some cedar plank salmon on there, or some chicken breast, or maybe even some steak or whatever, you have some nice protein, lots of greens and veggies. I mean, it's, wow, now that is a work of art and that is your lunch. At the end of the day, if you send me a message, are you going to say, hey, Di, or, or hey, Corey, hey, coach, man, you know what? I really regret having that salad for lunch today. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Like, I'm never going to get a message like that. No. I'm never going to get Things like that, you know, it's same like working out. Hey coach, you know, I worked out today, man, I regret that exercise. Oh, now they may regret the burpees I programmed. Fair well, enough. But, right. but the overarching experience and that fact that they just did something great for themselves. We never regret that. Mm-mm. Like, so it's really recognizing what are things I will, that if I do, I will never regret that I did them and aligning with that. Do you know what I mean? Like, let's not yeah. think about the things I'm taking away, the things that I'm losing. Let's talk about all the things you're gaining. Let's yeah. talk about all the things that you can sit back and say, you know what? I did that and I'm freaking proud I did it. Oof, there's the energy we want because it's going to push you. It's going to pull you. It's going to align you with, with why you're doing what you're doing, you know? And, and right. so that's sort of like, you, you, you triggered me there when you were sharing a little bit about some of the exercise and the values and the meaning. And uh, that, that's something I always ask people. It's like, what are you going to regret less? Right. What are you yeah. going to regret less? <laughs> and, and even go as far, like, what will you not regret doing? You know? And mm-hmm. uh, it's pretty cool. Once you start making those answers, it's like, yeah, I know I'll never regret eating that or I'll never regret moving my body. You know, like it's, wow, yeah. this is good. This is a good place. You know, it's a good place to, to come from and, and to, to work from. So, yeah. Right. Absolutely. Well, Di, I want to thank you so much for being on the podcast, man. If, um, where can, if people wanted to reach out to you, um, and to learn more about you and your story, you know, after they've heard the podcast, where can they reach you and, uh, connect with you at? Oh, well, thank you. Well, first of all, Corey, I mean, it's been a, a fun conversation, even though I feel it's been very one-sided. It's more like me spraying and, and you're kind of <laughs> covering yourself and, 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 and hiding because, uh, you know, it's that spray or pray, right? Like it's, uh, I, I, I'm like, good thing we're on screen. Cause I'd probably cover you in spit by this point of how much I've been talking, but I appreciate you asking that. And, uh, it's one thing about having a unique name. It's, it's, pretty easy to find online. And every time I went to a new social media channel, as they popped up, my name's been unencumbered. Uh, so <laughs> die spelled D-A-I and Manuel's M-A-N-U-E-L. So if you use that in Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, TikTok, uh, Clubhouse, <laughs> even my website, you'll get me. <laughs> you'll get me. It's just die Manuel. And, and I always say to people, like whatever channel you're more active on, just send me a message there. Just say, hey, I heard you on Corey's show. I, uh, here's one thing I will never regret doing. You know, and just just open with that. That's how we can start a conversation. And then other than that, my website, over 1,500 articles and counting, all geared to helping you just increase life's happiness quotient just by a little bit. You know, that's my whole goal. It's like, if you come to my site and then you leave it, but you leave it feeling better than you were when you landed on it, I've done my job. You know, and, and so the content's there to support people. And uh, obviously, if there's more questions, just to reach out anytime. Awesome. Awesome. Well, again, thank you so much, man. It's been awesome. It's been great. And everyone, thank you for listening to the Healthy Project Podcast. I'll talk to you next time. Love this episode of the Healthy Project Podcast? Head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. It's very much appreciated. 
Be sure to visit www.healthcoachlou.com to join the community newsletter, access the show notes, and discover our fantastic bonus content. 